Hey, welcome back to the show. First thing, a little housekeeping. Yes, I I did change the name of the show. I I'm going with the Donovan Ed Kissing Show. I I have gone back and forth uh j- trying to figure out what it is that I want to call this damn thing. It's been Don Talk, it's it's been the Donovan Show, it's been the Donovan Radio Show. I'm just going to go with my name. I'm just not going to hide anymore, okay? It is the Donovan Ed Kissing Show. And it didn't help the fact that the other day I was I forget. I was I was doing something with Twitter. Yes, I still refuse to call it X. Uh, maybe Facebook, and I came across. I looked up Don Talk, and there's a guy in Alabama that actually his first name is Don. I can't remember what his last name is, but he's got Don Talk. So I was like, okay, to heck with this. We're just gonna go with the Donovan Eckison show because it's me. All right, so. In this particular episode, what I want to address is the Committee on Oversight and Accountability, the U.S. House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., the interview of Devin Archer. Now, if you don't know who Devin Archer is, he is a previous business associate of Hunter Biden. And though... The illustrious Donald Trump, former president of the United States, former 45th president of the United States, would love and continues to talk about how everything happening with him is a witch hunt. And he is being persecuted almost to the point where he literally has compared his, quote, persecution to that of the persecution of the Jews, the genocide of the Jews. Now, if that doesn't tick you off, I don't know what will. But here we have a literal witch hunt, if you will. I'm not going to call it persecution. It's not persecution at all. It's just the right-wing conservative nutbags, for whatever reason, are damned and determined that they are going to do whatever they can to get something on President Joe Biden. They can't get him on anything now, though Marjorie Taylor Greene has tried her best to impeach him on, like, mishandling of the southern border. I think she's she's brought up maybe two, maybe three in, impeachment attempts, and she just get, keeps getting shut down. And so now... You have representatives Jordan, Biggs, and Goldman, Jordan specifically, doing whatever he can to to try to come up with calls for impeachment proceedings. And even McCarthy, who is the speaker, has come out and said that uh, some of this stuff looks like it it could be on the verge of, of impeachment proceedings. Well, that's just because he has no balls. I really have to wonder what kind of relationship he and Marge have, considering she doesn't have a husband anymore. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But that's beside the point, and that's just my speculation. So they had this hearing. This was Monday, July 31st, 2023. It was was two hours were earmarked for the Republican, the majority, in this Committee on Oversight and Accountability, and then the minority, the Democrats, Got two hours if they want it. And in attendance, and some of these 
um, uh, you know, the names I'm probably not going to get right. Uh, you had Clark Oberisk, counsel, Jessica Donlin, deputy, uh, deputy staff director, Ashley Dyer, legal counsel, Drink, uh, Jake Greenberg, rather, a deputy chief counsel for investigations, James Mandoful, Mandoful, it's M-A-N-D-O-L-F-O, general counsel and chief counsel for investigations, which honestly, he asked the most questions. Mark Marin, staff director. And then the minority chief counsel, minority senior counsel, minority counsel, minor, uh, minority counsel, minority director for oversight and policy. They're, they're all struck out. They're blacked out. For Devin Archer, we had Matthew L. Schwartz, managing partner, somebody that was struck out, summer associate, uh, Boys Schiller, Flexner, LLP, 55 Hudson Yards, 20th floor, New York, New York. Okay, so we got the, we got the players. And in this transcription, you will find that uh, James Mandolfo, I'm just going to call him JM. That way I don't keep screwing up his last name if I'm not saying it correctly. He's leading the charge in the majority of the first two hours asking these questions. And Matthew L. Schwartz will step in from time to time and advise Devin, Devin Archer, what he should and should not say. There's also a pre-agreed-upon scope of what can be covered in these questions. And at some, sometimes they, they seem to start veering off of scope, and that's when Mr. Schwartz will, he will jump in. And so the transcription starts off where everybody, uh, everybody starts introducing themselves. And I'll quickly read through this. Uh, Mr. Mr. Mandolfo, uh, this is a transcribed interview of Devin Archer. Chairman Comer has requested this interview as part of the committee's investigation into the Biden family's influence peddling and extensive receipt of money from foreign nationals and foreign companies. Side note, you won't get any of that from this transcription because there wasn't any. I'll continue from the transcription, from, from the transcript. With the witnesses, please state your name for the record. Mr. Archer says, Devin Archer. Mr. Mandolfo says, on behalf of the Committee on Oversight and Accountability, I want to thank you, Mr. Archer, for your appearing here today. The committee appreciates your willingness to appear here voluntarily, blah, blah, blah. Then he starts with the members, Mr. Jordan, uh, Jim Jordan of Ohio, Mr. Biggs, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Mr. Goldman, Dan Goldman, New York, Mr. Mandolfo, go with the majority, Mr. Greenberg, Jacob Greenberg, Majority Council, Mr. Arborisk, Clark Arborisk, Majority Council, uh, Miss Donyan, Jessica, uh, I'm sorry, Donlin, Jessica Donlin, Majority, Miss Dyer, Ashley Dyer, Majority, and then uh, we have the minority, and they're pretty much all just marked out. So there, there's 141 pages of this thing. I will upload it, link where you can download it if you're listening to this podcast, and just to make it easy, if you want to comb through it yourself. Here's what I will tell you that they did. Over and over and over, they were doing their damnedest to try to get Devin Archer to admit that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden at the time, used his position 
as vice president of the United States, his clout to affect the business dealings of Burisma. That's what this is all about. And no matter which way the Republican majority of this committee asked these questions, and I will point out, Devin Archer in the transcripts is seems like a buffoon. He just honestly seems like a buffoon reading what is in the transcript. It is, he can't seem to make a coherent thought. He's, he reminds me a lot of Donald Trump. He'll say a few words, he'll back up, he'll veer off topic, he'll, 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 he'll stop, he'll stutter. And I mean, granted, he could just be, he, he could have been nervous. I, hell, I would have been nervous. I mean, he is in legal trouble. He is going to prison for some other stuff that's immaterial to this. But the committee thought it would be uh, a, a great idea to question him for two to four hours so they could get some dirt on Joe Biden. And anybody that has any amount of common sense and reading comprehension, if you take the time to go through all 141 pages of this transcript, you will come to the same conclusion that I did. There is no there there. Ultimately, and this had already started being formed in my mind as I'm reading through the first 40 or 60 pages of this damn thing. Ultimately, what you have here is a son, Hunter Biden, who already had his, his own connections in D.C. He was a lobbyist. He, he already had the background that would have made him an appropriate fit for Burisma. He had already come on as an advisor, some kind of counsel, and then he was eventually added to the board. And he and Devin Archer were kind of partners in this, this venture that kind of did have something to do with Burisma, but didn't. I mean, there's, there's a lot of moving parts here. But once you get through the menagerie of the BS, what you discover, and Devin kept talking about the brand— and every time he would say the brand, the Republicans would jump on that to try to make sure they could clearly state that the brand was the Biden name. It ultimately came out that the, quote, brand might have had something to do with the Biden name. That's not a big deal. Like was pointed out at the very end when it was the minority's time, do the, do the Trump children— have an advantage, though some would argue it's not necessarily an advantage to have that last name, do they have an advantage for being a Trump? The answer is yes. Does Hunter Biden have an advantage for being a Biden? The answer is yes, but not to the extent that the Republicans are trying to paint the picture about. They literally are trying to say that Vice President Joe Biden at the time, as I already said at the top of the show, worked with his son, or his son brought him in to influence policy for the betterment, for the advantage of Burisma. They talk multiple times about phone conversations between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, where there would be, there would be lunches or dinners or, or gatherings where Hunter would either call his dad or his dad would call him, and Hunter would put his dad on speakerphone and say, hey, uh, you know, say hello to so-and-so, say hello to so-and-so. And, of course, Joe would say, well, you know, hello, et cetera, et cetera. And the committee needled Devin 
over and over and over. At any point during these conversations, was there ever talk of business, any kind of business talk? And Devin repeatedly, though he would stumble over his damn words, ultimately he kept saying, no, 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 no. What we have here is a son (laughs) in the way of Hunter Biden who was projecting his inside track to, quote, D.C., his clout, if you will, as being a Biden, his clout, if you will, him being the son of a former senator, now vice president of the United States, two-term vice president of the United States, to provide himself with a better position, better ranking, I don't know, maybe additional monies. If anybody is guilty of doing anything, and we already know that he's got tax problems, but in the in the Burisma dealings, if anybody's guilty of anything, it's Hunter, not Joe. Based on what is in this transcript and everything else that has come out, Joe had no idea, and he probably would not have condoned this, that his son was using his last name and potentially the fact that his father was vice president of the United States for the betterment of his position with Burisma. Again, I say there is no there there. At no point in the evidence that has been presented, at no point in this transcript, is there a smoking gun that says Vice President Joe Biden broke the law. He didn't. He did not. Even Donald Trump's own committee, when they did their own investigation, because this was around 2018, I believe, 2017-2018, and of of course, Trump was hell-bent on the Biden crime uh, family. It's, It's gone from the Clinton crime family, now it's the Biden crime family. And he was convinced, or at least this is this is what he would say. A lot of things you got to keep in mind with Donald Trump. He knows what he's saying is a lie. He knows that it's not true. But if it works for his own his own ends and his advantage, he's going to say it. And so he wanted an investigation into the Biden family and any dealings they had with Burisma and Ukraine, because the. I guess like the attorney general or whatever of Ukraine, was poised to do an investigation into the business dealings of Burisma. And at some point, he was fired. That firing, according to the Trump camp, was because he was going to peel back the onion, the layers of the onion. He was going to to show through his investigation that the Bidens were in cahoots with Burisma, where in actuality, it was a bad thing, based on what's in this transcript, that this guy was fired because he basically was just going to check the boxes and give Burisma a, a slap on the wrist and let him go on. Because Devin kept pointing out in the transcript multiple times, the DC group, which was made up of some lobbyists and somebody that had an inside track at the uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security, et cetera, et cetera, said that it was a good thing that, well, 
in hindsight, it was a bad thing, actually, that the guy was fired because it was bad for Barisma because Barisma was, again, just simply going to get a slap on the wrist. So it makes absolutely no sense to say that the firing of this guy in Ukraine was the smoking gun that tried to prove or could potentially prove that Vice President Joe Biden at the time was crooked or guilty of doing anything. There's the timing of certain phone calls. And then a few days later, Joe Biden was in Ukraine. There's no there there. It's no no connection whatsoever. None. And so at the end of the day, what we have here and I will repeat this again, is you have a situation where Hunter Biden and his dad spoke almost every other day, and then when Hunter's brother, Bo, Joe's other son, passed away, they started speaking every day. This was around about 2015, I believe, according to the transcript. And during those phone conversations, it was very common for Hunter to put his dad on speakerphone so he could say hello to everybody. Now, In Hunter's mind, he probably was using that as clout. Hey, see, everybody's, everybody, all my business associates are here and they are getting the opportunity to speak with my dad, the vice president of the United States. Joe, I'm fairly certain until there's any actual evidence produced and presented, was just simply having a conversation with his son, and saying hi to his friends that happened to be there while they were on the phone. It's not uncommon. I don't like doing this, but it's not uncommon for people to put other people on the damn speakerphone when they got a group of friends and somebody else that, you know, their mom, their dad, their, you know, whoever, the Pope, (laughs) you know, and especially if it's somebody of, of notoriety, you put them on you put them on the speakerphone. It's clout. And that's it. Every bit of this points to the fact that Hunter Biden is kind of a, a little bit of a sleaze because he was he was using his last name, he was using his contacts and he he not his dad. He was using the fact that his dad was the vice president of the United States to buffer himself to build himself up in the eyes of his business associates so that he would look like someone that's, yeah, we want him on the board. He'll help grease the wheels in in D.C. They may have had it in their head that he might be able to grease the wheels because his dad is vice president. But the most that Hunter could do was his other contacts in D.C. And ultimately, from what I can see, he really wasn't that big of an advantage to be on, on the Burisma board Anyway, but the Republicans are pissed because their golden boy, their orange Jesus, has gotten his ass in a crack when it comes to these indictments. Some of these, I'm I'm fairly certain, are going to stick. Some of them probably aren't, but all it takes is one. And I'm not going to go into that in great detail in this particular episode because this one I specifically wanted to talk about, this transcript... Devin Archer, and an actual witch hunt from the Republicans doing their best to paint. I won't say Joe Biden is one of the best, is the best president we've ever had. He, he, he's going to rank in the top 10 for me, simply because 
He took over a shit show from Donald Trump when it came to the pandemic and all of this. I don't really like the idea of calling an economic uh, process by the name of a president. Reaganomics was dumb. Bidenomics, in my opinion, is also dumb because the optics can go quickly, can go badly. You know, we're riding high right now. The economy, everybody kept saying recession, recession, recession. No sign of recession. The job market is hot. Unemployment is lower than it's been in like 75 years, at least 50, but I think it's 75. But all it takes is one downturn, and suddenly it's Bidenomics. It it caused all this. Presidents typically cannot directly influence the economy. They can put policies in place that will indirectly influence the economy. And I think that's exactly what the Biden administration has done with the CHIPS Act and uh, the CHIPS Act and, um, you know, these other policies. um, I forget the names of them. Half the time I can't keep up with them. It's immaterial. It's just it's just the 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 policies of of trying to invest the infrastructure and the things that we've been needing to do for at least 40 or 50 years. But instead of doing that, the Republicans want to go over there and say, well, these entitlements, for the love of God, Social Security is not an entitlement. An entitlement is something that I had nothing to do with. And you give me something. I'm paying into the Social Security Administration, into that fund. That is not an entitlement. That is a retirement plan. Am I entitled to it? Well, by the mere fact that I put money into it, by the same token, that means savings accounts. I have a high-performance Capital One 360 savings account. That would be an entitlement in the way that they are calling Social Security. Medicare and Medicaid, those are not entitlements. I pay into a system that provides these. Those are not entitlements. If I didn't give anything into these funds, but I got money out, that is an entitlement. Okay, I'll get off my high horse on that. It just, it's a pet peeve of mine about the way they are always talking about, yeah, we got to cut back on entitlements, blah, blah. They're not entitlements. But ultimately, I will reiterate, because that is now a, a word in the dictionary. What you have here is a son who decided to use his name in his father's position to build himself up, to give himself clout, so he would look be looked at favorably as someone that would be put on this board because they thought that they could do things that would be advantageous to the company itself, to Burisma, because they had a Biden on the board. But Joe Biden, vice president of the United States at the time, and now president of the United States, didn't do anything wrong, unethical, or illegal, no money, nothing. And that is it. I encourage you, like I said, I'll put a link to this PDF of this transcript for your reading pleasure. If you want to read all 141 pages of it, it'll hurt your brain sometimes, especially with the way Mr. Archer can't seem to form coherent sentences sometimes. We've all been there. We've all been there. But yeah, that is uh, that is something. But I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Even if you are a diehard right-winger, love Trump, please do me the favor of reading this transcript and think honestly and openly about what you are reading. 
don't go into it with a preconceived notion that there's guilt on the part of Joe Biden. Read the transcript. Be open and honest with yourself. Read the transcript. And if you're somebody that supports Biden, again, read the transcript. Make up your own mind. I think you will come to the same conclusion that I've come to, as well as the minority, the Democrats in this committee came to, is if there's guilt, it's Hunter Biden being guilty of being a dumbass, basically. But there's nothing there that was done that was illegal. Let me know what you think. You can leave me a voicemail or you can send me a text. That number is 762-325-1313. Again, that is 762-325-1313. If email is more your speed, uh, you can still email podcast at dontalkshow.com. But the new email address is show at donovanadkisson.com. Again, that is show at donovanadkisson.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts. Read the transcript. And I think you can come to the same conclusion that I've come to, that the majority of the Democrats have come to. This is a witch hunt. There is no there there. But let me know your thoughts. Until next time, this is the Donovan Adkisson Show, and I am Donovan Adkisson. Take care.